You're listening to Speak Loud, resilient stories of triumph and hope, helping you to turn your past into fuel for your best future. Here's your host, founder of the 501c3 Share, providing resource and support for trauma victims, and a survivor herself, Tiffany Barnes. Hello and welcome to episode 108 of the Speak Loud podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. As always, I am your host, Tiffany Barnes. It's been a bit. I think it's been, let's see, I think I released an episode on the 8th, so almost two weeks since I've recorded something. Thank you guys so much for your patience. As you know, I usually record and uh, release an episode once a week, every Friday, But summer has just really gotten me so busy, and I have not been able to fulfill that for you guys, so I do apologize, but thank you for tuning in today. Uh, This is going to be a solo episode. No guests in-house, just me. Uh, I wanted to talk about a couple things that have kind of come to the forefront of my mind, and some conversations that I've had with friends recently, um, you know, just who've been through trauma. I've, I've noticed this pattern. So first of all, a week from today, which probably I think by the time this episode comes out, uh, so July 28th, I'm turning 40 years old. And I don't know what it is about this 40 years old thing that's just got me really reminiscing and thinking about who I am, what I'm all about, and uh, kind of what I'm going to do with my next 40 years. So it's it's been really interesting. 30 was a bit hard for me because, you know, going into your 30s, no longer in your 20s, but 40 is just really, really hitting me hard for some reason. So I've just been, like I say, reflecting. Quite honestly, I've been having a little bit of bout with some mental health recently because of this, um, a little bit of depression. And I think it's just like I'm trying to look at the bright side of, hey, I'm turning 40. 40 is the new 30s, right? That's what my sister tells me and all my friends are trying to pep me up with this. But uh, yeah, it's just really, like I say, hit me hard. So the other day, I did a post on Facebook. Excuse me. If you don't follow me on Facebook, you can find me just Tiffany Barnes. I think you have to just put in Salt Lake City because there's more than one Tiffany Barnes on the planet. Or also at Speak Loud Podcast. Um, But this was on my personal page. And I did a post that said, if you know, you know, and it was something that I saw on somebody else's uh, Facebook page, and it said, signs of high-functioning anxiety. I'm sure a lot of you guys out there can relate to this. Anxiety is something that I have dealt with as a side effect, I guess you'll call it, of trauma. And uh, this this thing that I posted said on the outside, and it has all these bullet points. I'm going to kind of rattle off some of these bullet points. It says, hardworking, detail-oriented, high-achieving, ambitious, perfectionist, organized, well-prepared, does well under pressure. So I looked at this and I was like, that's exactly me. I've talked about this many a times on various episodes on how OCD I am. You know, I, I have the joke where I say I'm CDO, but also the perfectionism. And that really does stem from anxiety, but it also stems from trauma. You know, I've had this conversation before where I've, I've mentioned to you guys, <clears throat> excuse me, that uh, I grew up in a lot of chaos, you know, not a lot of stability in some regards, depending on which part of my life we're talking about in my childhood we're talking about. And so I really believe 
that the OCD-ness and the perfectionism comes from feeling that I'm not enough. And so I try to do everything I can to be overly perfect so that, you know, I get those gold stars from people or, you know, um, the accolades for, you know, having nothing but an A plus or, you know, doing the best ever on a project or receiving an award for it or whatever the case may be. So that's what it says. So on one side, it says on the outside and then all those bullet points I rattled off. And then it says on the inside and then there's all these bullet points, one being overthinking, overwhelmed, burnt out, trouble saying no, uh, always needing to be busy, unrealistic expectations, people pleasing, fear of failure, and self-doubt. Well, all of those resonate with me too. So it's like on the outside, I appear to have it all together. <clears throat> Excuse me, my goodness. Um, you know, being ambitious and overachiever and again, the perfectionism, I can do well under pressure. But on the inside, I'm really, you know, over analytical, as it says, overthinking, um, always needing to be busy. Downtime for me is never a good thing. I don't know if you guys can can, can relate to this who've been through trauma. Having that downtime is like, oh, no, I'm going to have to sit with my thoughts. And then all of a sudden, you know, your thoughts are there and the panic attacks can set in. And, you know, for my body in the last few years, this has happened quite often where, you know, I'm going to get a massage or going to get a facial, things that should be relaxing to a person. And my body goes into fight or flight. Oh, no, no, no. We don't relax is what my body says. And I'll start to like, you know, get the heart palpitations, sweating, you know, my brain starts like thinking, oh my gosh, I'm trapped. I'm sitting here uh, naked on this massage bed. And like, what if this happens? Or what if, what if, you know, you can pretty much call me what if Tiff in that scenario. But um, it's interesting how my body does that. And I think, uh, and people pleasing is another big thing that I've talked about on many episodes. And these are all results of dealing with childhood trauma. So turning 40, 40, my fourth decade, like I say, it's kind of hit me hard. I'm kind of freaked out about it, <laughs> but I'm going to learn to embrace my 40s. Uh, those of you who've been so kind to just be like, you know, it's the new 30s or, you know, I loved my 40s. So much great, so many great things happened in my 40s. I'm looking forward to that and I'm trying to really look at it like in a glass half full type way than half empty. So, but what I wanted to really get at is even at 40 years old, I'm still dealing with repercussions of trauma from things that happened to me at four years old or five years old or 10 years old. And so I want you guys to know it's okay to be a work in progress. I'm still a work in progress. I know I'm probably going to continue to be a work in progress into my 40s, maybe into my 50s. And that's okay. The I think really embracing the journey, but also giving yourself credit for recognizing the things that you still carry from trauma and your inner child that you are continuing to work on, you know, even into your adult years and uh, into your 40s, um, you can still be dealing with some of these, these, these issues. And so when I posted this signs of high functioning anxiety, and then again, it said on the outside, all those bullet points on the inside, here's what I really feel. I had like 10 people share it. And one person that shared it, a friend of mine, she, she did a thing where she wrote, you know, 
all of us might appear one way to somebody, but, you know, kind of the whole effect of you never know what somebody's going through. And it's so true. You know, somebody can appear some way on the outside. Let's let's take for an example social media. And I'm guilty of this. I'm going to tell you guys this right now. Social media, we all appear to be one way, one thing, you know, like, I mean, not everybody. I should say some people ha- share their vulnerabilities on Facebook, but a lot of people are like, hey, look at my trip I took, or hey, look at how cute my hair is, or my house, or, you know, they try to only show the positive on social media, where really on the inside, they might be showing that to the world, but on the inside, they're dealing with depression. Maybe they have thoughts of suicide. Maybe they think they're not enough. Maybe they think they're fat. You know, they might exude this confidence, but really on the inside, they're falling apart. I had lunch with a childhood friend of mine yesterday. Uh, We're two weeks apart and to the day, and we always get together for lunch. Well, we've missed a few years, but we try to get together every year. And one, and I had this conversation with her and she said, uh, you know, I had this exact same conversation about, you know, we appear one way to others and then on the inside we really might be falling apart or, you know, facing our inner demons from our inner trauma and things of that nature. And she said, it's so funny you say that because you seem so comfortable in your skin now more than you ever have And uh, she was saying this about me and she said, you know, I thought that, you know, you just really had everything put together in your life at this time. And I said, no, Sarah, I am dealing with so much mental health issues right now and just trying to, like, keep myself um, optimistic and realizing that, um, you know, I am worthy. I am enough. All these, these things, you know, I need to continue to shine my light, as I tell you guys. And so it's just really interesting how... We put on this uh, shell for people to see when really, like I say, we could be falling apart. So I did a poll and I had some people reach out. You know, I, I said, you know, what are some of the things that you don't realize you're doing because of childhood trauma? And I got quite a few people that had some really profound things that they said when I asked about this. And I want to kind of go over those and see if you guys can relate to it, if it resonates with you. I really do think it will. When I read them, it resonated with me. But uh, one gal, Heather, she said, not standing up for myself or expressing any anger. I learned it was too time-consuming, humiliating, and sometimes dangerous to express my anger or frustration towards authority. So instead of expressing my indignation in a productive way and asking for what I need, I bottle my feelings up and it bursts at the seams everywhere. How many of you guys can relate to that? I know I can. You know, we, I always have said I'm kind of like a trash compactor in the way that I will take my emotions sometimes and, and this comes with the people pleasing, right? Like you don't want to upset people. You don't want to be a burden to people. And so you will just continue to bottle up emotions or thoughts or feelings instead of expressing them to somebody because you don't want to hurt their feelings or um, come across as rude or cause conflict because, you know, in my situation, I grew up with a lot of conflict. So I don't love creating conflict with people, but I'm doing myself an injustice by keeping my feelings bottled up or not really expressing to another person how they make me feel if it's not in a good way. Or, um, you know, uh, like I say, just that line of communication being open because when you're a child and you're constantly told, don't cry or no, 
or, you know, um, you sit there, you be quiet. You're taught so young just to, you know, not be heard, only be seen. Hence why I chose the, the title to this podcast, Speak Loud, because a lot of us are taught at a young age when we go through abuse or trauma in our lives, um, specifically childhood, that, you know, we are meant to be quiet, to be silenced, to not be heard. And uh, I really agree with what Heather said in that comment, because, you know, I, I feel that this is a commonality with people who have been through trauma. Then we have Kristen. She says, I apologize for everything. Even if I had nothing to do with what happened, I will find a way to make it my fault. I also become defensive if I think someone is angry, even if they're not angry at me. This is another one that really resonated with me because I guess I don't apologize for everything, but I would be that person uh, oftentimes where I get into an argument with somebody and I'm the first to apologize, even if it wasn't my fault. And I think, again, that stems from that trauma, that um, just wanting to keep the peace. You know, I'm sorry, mom. I'm sorry, dad. Um, even though they're the ones at fault, they're the ones that created the the problem. You still just want to keep the peace so that you think even if I have the small moment of peace, it will outweigh the times I'm getting beaten or hit or told that I'm ugly or to shut up or whatever may have happened to you in your childhood years and your trauma. Then we also have Sarah. And this one's a big one for me. Looking for approval in ideas, opinions, achievements, anything that seems like attention-seeking behavior is generally based in feeling unloved invalidated or worthless. It's the inner child, so to speak, crying out for somebody to tell me I'm worthy of love, whether I've never felt like anything I do is good enough. So this really resonated with me looking for approval. I find myself doing this still at 40 years old, looking for those gold stars. I think I mentioned this in another episode I was working out on the road, so traveling for my career. I did that for about 15 years, and it was a very male-dominated business. I was one of the only women out on the road. Uh, it does take a very special person to be able to handle that kind of lifestyle. And I remember distinctly, I was sitting in this hotel in a ballroom, and we were talking about, you know, kind of going over the clients and stuff like that. And one of my coworkers said something about me needing a gold star. He's like, okay, here's your gold star, Tiff. And it really like, I don't know, it struck such a chord with me. And obviously I wanted to be defensive and offended because he said this. But in reality, it was true. You know, he could see that I just wanted my ideas to be heard and to be recognized and, you know, somebody say, oh my gosh, that's an amazing idea. Yes, let's implement that. Because oftentimes when you're growing up and again, you're told to sit there, be quiet, not have opinions. And if you do say something, it's not worth listening to. So in my adult years now, it's like now that I have control of my environment, I'm out of that abuse that I still, in my own career, 
just love those atta girls, right? Those, you know, seeking approval. For an example, I'm a realtor by day. That's my career. And I just recently received an award as one of the top 20 agents in our region. For me, that holds so much weight because it's an atta girl. It's that gold star. It's that, look, I'm being recognized for my hard work. And it can be the simplest award. Um, I got another award uh, about a month ago for being one of the top five listing agents in my brokerage, which I mean, top five is not the number one. Uh, and I might maybe even came in like four out of five. But to me, and I just got a little certificate not, and I'm not trying to like poo poo the, the certificate or say like, oh, this is this is crap. But that recognition meant so much to me. And I guess a lot of it comes from I shouldn't say, I guess, I really know in my heart of hearts that a lot of that comes from not being valued as a child. And so now I love to know that my ideas are worthy or that I'm being seen, I'm being heard. Even, let me just take it down to this, with this podcast, I can see how many people download it, I can see where they listen, and sometimes um, I feel when I produce a podcast like this one, where I'm the solo guest, there's not a a guest that I'm interviewing, that people don't tune in as much because I see the numbers. I can see the downloads and I take it so personally sometimes like, well, see, it's my show, but people only really want to listen when somebody else comes on to share their story and their message of triumph and hope. And nobody really cares about my story, what I have to say. And I've really had to reel it in and say, you know, it's not about the downloads, it's about the people that you're affecting, right? It's about, it's not about the numbers, because for me, it's like a competition. I'm very competitive with myself. And uh, that's why I do cycling, you know, that's why I do bowling, things that are very competitive against my own nature, and so, or myself, really. And so, it's just interesting how that still carries so much weight in my life now. And it's something I recognize. So that's a first step to overcoming it, or I should say really healing that inner child. But it is still a work in progress. It's obviously something I'm still working on. So I really loved what uh, what she said there. Let's see. Oh, then we have uh, Crystal. She says, living in constant protective mode. I'm constantly scanning my surroundings and watching people and feeling people out. I'm so tired all the time because I feel like I live in a heightened alert mode 24-7. How many of you guys feel that way? You know, I know that that can definitely resonate with me as well. Feeling on guard, feeling, you know, is this person going to hurt me? Is this person, maybe not physically, but mentally or emotionally, or are they out to get me? That's definitely a... um, a side effect of dealing with childhood trauma because you're constantly on defense, right? So I can say from experience, I went through all forms of, of abuse, physical, sexual, mental, emotional, you name it. And specifically when you've been through sexual abuse, you tend to have trust issues. I mean, regardless, but specifically sexual abuse, I found that that's where a lot of my trust issues come from. Because if somebody's nice to me or somebody, you know, may like put their hand on my shoulder or something like that, I think, ooh, what are they trying to get from me, specifically sexually? And this is another part of my conversation that I had with my my childhood friend yesterday, Sarah. I said, 
you know, so I haven't been in a relationship for 12 plus years. Um, the last relationship I was in was with a man who took his life. And so, and I held a lot of guilt about that because I was one of the last people he reached out to. I kind of blew off the situation. I thought, oh, he's drunk. He's just needs to go to bed, sleep it off. And he was really crying out for help. And that's something that I, I dearly regret that I didn't stay on the phone with him. I didn't hear him out. And I thought, oh, he's just having another episode. And um, it took a long time for me to heal from that. And it wasn't until maybe five or six years ago that I said, okay, I think I'm ready. I think I'm ready to maybe try to get into a relationship with somebody, but I haven't been actively pursuing it. Quite honestly, I'm married to my career and um, my passions. I haven't made my love life, so to speak, a huge priority. And uh, where was I going with this? (laughs) Uh, Oh, what I was trying to say is, you know, um, even now, talking with my friend Sarah yesterday, I'm like, you know, she's like, hey, are you seeing anybody? Are you on any dating sites? And I said, no, first of all, dating sites, that's the worst thing for me because I already have trust issues. And going back to what I first initially said uh, about how we can all create a certain persona on the outside, but what we're really dealing with on the inside can be very different. So how do I know on a dating site that somebody's not portraying one person and then there's somebody completely different? So for me, I just am not really attracted to dating on, you know, Tinder and Bumble and all those, you know, e-harmony or whatever they might be. I'm just kind of old fashioned thinking, oh, I'm going to run into somebody or I'm going to be friends with somebody and it just turns into more. And But still... When I get flirted with, this is kind of the path I was trying to take. I kind of went on a tangent there. Um, When I get flirted with or somebody asks for my number or somebody might send me flowers, like I had a secret admirer send me flowers earlier this year. And and, uh, while it's flattering, I'm like, what if they're just like grooming me? Like I always, for some reason, go back to this grooming. Um, You know, are they just grooming me to get me where they want me and then they're going to just mentally or emotionally abuse me? And uh, I've had to rewrite the tape in my head because I feel like um, I've really dealt with a lot of emotionally unavailable, uh, unavailable men in my life recently. And I think that's, you know, I, I look at that and I'm like, what am I putting out there to attract these men? But I think a lot of it is, you know, when you were abused as a child, you've really got to do some therapy and some rewiring or whatever modalities work for you to realize not everybody is out to get you. You don't always have to be on high alert, that fight or flight or that constant protective mode, as Crystal said, uh, uh, about how trauma has still affected her as an adult. So I 100% agree with that, and I appreciate her sharing with uh, that with me. Let's see. Uh, oh, Stacy says, I 100% believe nobody will believe me. After many traumas with no support as a child, I felt abandoned. I'm 25, and it is still just a, just as bad as it was when I was three. Also, I wasn't taught feelings or emotions, so it's hard to tell anybody how I feel in the moment. How many of you guys feel that way? Feel abandoned or feel um, that, you know, even if you said something, nobody believed you. I 100% can resonate with that. I remember the first time I was molested. Um, 
I want to say it was like 10 to 11 years old up at our family cabin with a quote unquote family friend. And when I finally had some, you know, gall to say something to my mom and my stepdad, they were like, are you sure you're not making this up? No, he wouldn't do something like that. And so I think you start to have this tape again or the subconscious playing in your mind telling you, well, if I say something to somebody, nobody's going to believe me anyway, so why say anything? And then that repeated, actually, uh, three years later when I confronted my stepdad for molesting me. So sometimes I think, well, he saw that maybe this guy got away with it in the beginning or the first time it ever happened. And so maybe he thought he too could get away with it and he did molest me. And so uh, when I told my mom something about that, which he used to always threaten me, say, saying, you know, if you say anything to anybody, I'll kill you. Well, if you say anything to anybody, I'll kill you. And I believed him because of the type of man that he was. And my mother had never really taken any stock in my life, had never even really cared about me other than receiving the child support payment. That's really how I felt. And uh, one morning she had come downstairs and said, you know, why, why was Robert, that's my stepfather, down here for so long? What took him so long to wake you up? And I just remember his words, I'll kill you, I'll kill you, I'll kill you if you say anything to anybody. And so, one, I felt I didn't have the voice to speak loud to my mom and say, hey, here's what's happening. But also, a part of me thought, well, if I say anything, I'm not going to be believed anyways. Because I wasn't believed before when I said something that happened previously with a family friend. So I think that 100% uh, resonates with me, Stacy. But not only me, but I know a lot of you might feel this same trauma that that is still stuck in you. That you feel, well, if I say something, I won't be believed. Or um, I'm going to cause problems, so I might as well just keep it to myself. Which is a very, very sad place to be. And then I want to talk about what Lauren said. She says, I overwork myself to perfection. I make sure I'm perfect through other people's eyes because I can't take criticism. I try my best to please everyone because I don't like others being mad at me or knowing my flaws. I don't like people seeing the ugly side of me, so I hide behind my perfection. I was always pressured to be the top student, the role model, and the person, quote unquote, going places. I love that that you shared this, Lauren, because I feel the same way. And I know a lot of you guys are going to feel that same way, too. Or maybe you are having your own uh, Tiffany epiphany right now of, oh, my gosh, yes, I do that as well. Um, I definitely overwork myself to perfection. I am always striving to be the best I can be so that no matter what, if people are going to be at my funeral, they're going to say, oh, my gosh, she did all these amazing things and she was so put together and... I'm now realizing specifically since I've done so much soul searching, turning, you know, about to turn 40 and just how impactful this number is in my life for some reason that um, it's okay to share vulnerabilities. It's okay to say, listen, I struggle. I may appear great on the outside, but I'm having some mental health issues right now. And so that's kind of why I'm putting myself out there here in this episode, but also to tell you that you're not alone in your suffering. You're not alone in your circumstance. But I think what we all need to realize, and when I say we all, I'm 100% including myself in this, that it's okay 
to realize these things need to be changed or fixed and to take steps progressively to fixing that inner child. I shouldn't say fixing. That's not the really word that I want to use, but uh, healing that inner child rather. And uh, you're not alone. It's okay to be vulnerable, to reach out, to say, listen, I'm not doing okay. I don't have my shit together. Please, can you offer guidance? Can you offer help? Like, just to be, like I say, vulnerable, because I really feel that so many people have suffered, specifically during COVID, Yeah, a lot of domestic violence situations, you know, numbers were just crazy before that, but even so, more so because people were stuck at home and a lot of mental health because people weren't getting out and socializing. I know that was really hard for me. And uh, I think if we can just kind of say, hey, look, here's where I'm at in life. Um, I would just really love some help or some guidance or some friendship or a listening ear that we really could address this mental health issue from childhood trauma. And then I also want to uh, mention, I have another one on here that says, I constantly feel the need to feel needed. Like if somebody doesn't want my help or ask me to do things, I feel that I'm unwanted. And I just kind of self-destruct on the spot. Me doing things for others as a, is a way of coping with my feeling unwanted and feeling that I was, uh, people didn't want me around. It took a long time to really learn to say no and do things because I wanted to, not because I felt I needed to. That was Abigail that, that posted that. And I agree with that. I 100% agree with that because I think when you grow up in a situation or in a home that you don't feel wanted or worthy or, you know, like I was told, you know, I wish we would have had an abortion or, um, you know, you're a piece of trash or I wish we could just throw you away. Specifically more so my mother did that, but you hear that and you're, it's such a sponge at such a young age that it's really hard to, again, rewrite that tape or, or kind of record over it so you have a new track that you're listening to, but it's never too late to change it. And I've had a lot of rem, uh, remedies, resources, modalities, shamans, people on this podcast of ways for you to be able to maybe retrain your brain or your thoughts or your emotions and uh, I hope that you can really take something from that. So, um, yeah, I really loved what she said there. And then lastly, I'm going to wrap up on this one. This is by Carrie. She says, I am a people pleaser. I will do something I don't want to or make decisions based off of a superior's opinion, including relationships and life choices. I'm always convinced other people know what's best for me more than I do. People-pleasing is definitely a disease, uh, and it's something that very much goes hand-in-hand with somebody who's been through trauma. So I 100% relate with you, Carrie. I'm also a people-pleaser. I've really tried to uh, focus more on not being that way, but it's also hard because not only am I a realtor, but I'm in the hospitality business where I run Airbnbs. And with Airbnbs, it's very review-based. So you have to make sure your guests are comfortable, again, hospitable. Um, the people-pleasing thing just really works for me in my career with that because I love to do the thoughtful things. I love to get the five-star review because, again, when I get that, my business grows. So um, 
I think it really comes down to finding your strengths, your weaknesses, and how maybe you can use something like people pleasing to your strength, right? I've tried to hone that in for actually my business. And it's helped me make some great money and to really grow my business, even though it's a side effect of trauma. Now, we've got to find a boundary, though. Got to find a boundary of where does the people pleasing stop? When is it getting overboard where I'm losing sight of myself because I'm a people pleaser? And so I think that's something I would invite you to question if that is you. You know, there's a good side to being a people pleaser to the point that, yes, that helps me in my hospitality business. But there's a bad side to it because if I don't set the boundaries with people and I'm like, well, that makes them happy, so I'm willing to sacrifice myself And that's not always to your benefit, right? So you got to look at it that way as well. So I just wanted to jump on here, do a quick little episode, talk about some things that, uh, you know, I posed the question on the land of Facebook. Uh, You know, what are you still carrying as a adult from your inner child wounds? And I really liked those the input that I got from from friends on Facebook. So I just wanted to share it with you guys. And also... uh, just share my vulnerability of just being really freaking scared to turn 40. Not scared, but just it's been it's been interesting. It's been really interesting. So if you guys have any tips for me to kind of help me um, overcome that or to just let me know how this resonated with you. Again, you can always find me on social media. Uh, Instagram is Speak Loud Podcast. Facebook Speak Loud Podcast. My personal page on Facebook is just Tiffany Barnes. I think you put dash Salt Lake City. You should be able to find me there. And uh, as always, you are worthy, you are enough, and keep on shining your light. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to Speak Loud. If this message resonated with you, please feel free to share it with anyone you feel could use the support. To find out more information about SHARE, our movement, And to join the cause, please visit sharethemovement.org. Until next time.